Hello and welcome to the Leading Line podcast. Chris here, um, I hope you're staying safe and doing well, all things considered. <laughs> um, and we are back once again with another episode of the podcast. Um, and I am once again joined by my good friend, Mr. Campbell Finlayson. Um, Campbell, how are you doing? Um, I am no bad, Chris. Got a lot in my mind, but overall it's not bad given the situation we're in. So, hi, all good. Yeah, um, we were just before we hit record. Well, I was like, we peek behind the outcome. We we always try and have, have a kind of run order in our head, and uh, I started it, and I was so scunnered by the like the first sentence. I was like, we're just going to start recording, and we'll see what comes out. Because last night uh, we're recording this on the Wednesday, which is why it's a day later. Uh, last night Scotland lost one 0 to Finland to end our Euro twenty twenty two hopes with two games left of qualifying. And, uh, yeah, it's been 24 hours, Campbell, and I am still a bit scunnered. How are you? Scunnered is probably the best way to put it. Um, Friday wasn't great to begin with, and Scotland were awfully lethargic on Friday, so then come back to a home game where we were a bit more up for it, I think. But ultimately, it was just a typical Scotland way to go out, and also we'll discuss it, but aye, there's... There's not much you can say really that's that's going to change any positive mood, is it? It's, it just wasn't a great. So, aye. Let's uh, let's elongate the pain, Campbell. But well, let's go back to Friday night because you've mentioned Friday night, and I think it might get a little bit lost in the shuffle. But um, you mentioned we were lethargic on Friday night, and I, I thought we were as well. Um, we lost one now to Portugal, a game that we'd already kind of built as we needed to get a result from um, Portugal. Didn't offer very much. I think it's probably fair to say, Campbell. And they then scored a goal, and that that seemed to be it. And for me, it was the first time I've been properly worried uh, this campaign, uh, basically since the World Cup. Actually, let's be honest, because the games against Albania and Finland in the in the last round of fixtures, I kind of was happy to chalk that up to a bit of rustiness. First time the squad's been together for a long time, but as you said, lethargic against Portugal and. I just, how did you feel coming out of that Portugal game? Because I know that for the first time in a while, I I was concerned about whether or not we were going to make it to the, the finals. Friday was brutal, to put it politely. Um, I, the Portuguese national anthem was a good tune and that had me quite happy before it. <laughs> Bounced along with that and then watched the game where just not anything really happened. Scotland was slow, Portugal kind of sat off us, but Neither team really seemed interested, and then it's a sloppy goal to get away, and that was pretty much what there was to it. Scotland just like lethargic is the word we keep using, but it was the only way to describe it. They never looked or doing anything. Obviously, had no fairly care there, but again, it's, it's not how that's playing at the end of the day, and they just they looked as if they didn't want to be there. And coming away with a second one 0 defeat from the two teams that you'll have to be beating in the group. To come away with nothing for both of them was really disappointing. And you know, away to Finland, we were the better team for most of it. But against Portugal, they just didn't seem interested. And I think we got pretty much what we deserved for the game at the end of the, th- the end of the night. I don't know if it was they weren't interested. I think it was just another performance symptomatic of what seems to be a problem pretty much since the kickoff of the Albania game, which is it's been done. Everything seems had that that year of lethargy or been disjointed about it. Um, yeah, it was a poor result. Uh, Portugal were a team that we should have been wary of. Um, um, and 
But at the same time, we should be, if we have realistic expectations of qualifying for major tournaments and, and doing the job that we set out to do, and let's be honest, the job we were predetermined to do as top seeds, then as a game we should have won. Um, what, what was your thoughts kind of after that game, obviously, with the defeat and the, the kind of pressure it put on, on the Finland game? What were you expecting kind of come kickoff uh, last night in terms of the team? Were you expecting anything different? What, what was your thoughts at that point? Um, when we discussed last week, kind of going to Portugal, you're thinking, right, you need to get a draw at least. And then the fact we didn't, it came out and just straight away, you're like, right, Tuesday is a month. And even then, it was still, you're going to have to be relying on other teams. So expecting Scotland to come out and just going to be at it from from the from the off, really. It was quite an attacking team. And um, I thought we actually we started pretty well, but as we discussed quite a lot during the game, it was just that final ball and you were tearing your hair out all night. We just, it's just still frustrating. Like, we did take the game to Finland. I don't think they did much. And then the fact we were on the attack, like you'd, you'd hope for, you think, right, eventually we'll score. And it was just that final ball letting them down. And then once the final ball was there, the fin wasn't. And it just ended up being a real, a really frustrating night yet again. And I mean, three games in a row where we've lost by one goal where we could and probably should get something out of it so it came away with nothing and then obviously lose out on the tournament as well it was it was really hard to take and it just it's kind of knocked away the feel good factor that we did have for the women's team um, for so long and hopefully it's not a long term thing but at the, at the minute it's it's not great we'll, uh, we'll discuss the future shortly but let's for, for our sins talk about the game a little bit more um, obviously, there was some changes to the squad. We had Jane Ross and Martha Thomas starting uh, along with Edith Cuthbert. Um, and we also had a couple of changes kind of in defence. Kirsten Smith coming in at left back and Lisa Evans kind of moving back uh, to the, the right back slot. It was, I mean, when I saw the team, I thought, oh, it's good. It looks like we're, we're going for it. Unfortunately, um, almost within 60 seconds, we, we saw that the, the issue in playing what, who I think has probably been our, uh, one of our better players in this kind of run of poor form in Kirsty Smith and by playing a first race right back at left back and Finland nearly scored within 60 seconds after a poor ball out from, from Jen Beattie and basically was a touch away from being 1-0 and then as the game progressed you had Jane Ross one of our, a poacher, a goal scorer who seemed to be playing on the right hand side Erin Cuthbert seemed on the fringes of everything which is crazy when you consider how talismanic she's become not just in terms of on the pitch but in the social conscience of Scotland fans on a broader sense um, I mean we had better tempo Campbell I think that I think we can agree that there was a better tempo and I don't know about you but it felt like we were creating chances whereas in the past couple of games the narrative has been we have created chances but I, I don't think we did in this game it felt like we certainly did yeah we can add there was a higher tempo point you're right in saying I mean it was always going to be easier to more of a tempo given there wasn't any on Friday but at home taking the game sort of two Finland one we're like right we don't need to get a result here I think Scotland did that but it was just we was creating half chances I think it's probably fair to say more than clear cut chance anytime we went to the box it was just waiting too long to have the shot or picking the wrong pass and it, it ended up killing us I mean there were so many times and I lost count nearly of how many times chances we had where the players have just picked the wrong decision you think if you've done this that's a goal if you do this that's happening we just didn't and 
you're tearing your hair out watching it because it is so, so frustrating. And it's one way, and I think looking back on it, we'll know we had chances, the tempo, and that definitely was higher. But it just, just again, one of those games where nothing was going right for us. And you had that feeling as it was going on with some of the chances we're missing, or the half chances we're missing, sorry. You're thinking this is just not going to, not going to be your night. And obviously, the way it panned out wasn't quite what we expected, but it was it was no less disappointing. And that was just, just tough to take, really. Finland played, in terms of Finland, Finland did what they came to do. They, they played five across the middle. They made it difficult for our ball players to play the game. I tweeted out about Kim Little because, honestly, when it, the best the best we've ever had in a Scotland jersey, and I include the men's game in that, in my opinion. Um, and she was getting a little bit of space. She had an effort. It was a bit tame at the end. And But Finland came to frustrate, and that's what they did. And if you think about the chances Finland, they had that very early moment. Um, but there wasn't much else. But we couldn't put the ball in the net. And it's a football is a very simple game. You score goals, you win games. And in the last three games, we haven't scored and the other team have. And we are now in a position where, as top seeds, two games before the qualifying's end, we're out. Um, there were some changes made. And I, one of the things I, don't, I haven't got my head around yet, Campbell, is how the coaching has worked on last night and on in Portugal with obviously Shelley being working remotely and Andy Thompson in the dugout, how that has been managed, how that's worked. I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Um, uh, Zoe Ness came on. I said, we're bringing Zoe Ness on, who has obviously had a, a good start to the season in SWPL, but when you're bringing on Zoe Ness, you, you kind of know that it's feeling like a bit of a last roll of the dice um, and she'd nearly scored after a message saying, oh, that's us, that's us kind of going for it. But... We had chances, and then, oh, and then, and then that goal, Campbell. Um, I've already talked it through once <laughs> today, so I'm going to let you talk it through, it and then we'll have a, a chat about it. But that goal is unreal. Hmm. Um. Yeah, there was. You know, this game on the laptop was kind of shouting away at it. But... My dad looked across wondering what was going on and then my many shouts of, oh no, here we go, as, as the Finnish girl kind of ran through on goal, was then summed up by the, the kind of, like, what what's just happened? It was, I mean, <laughs> Lee Alexander obviously slipped first and I thought, oh God, she's going to roll this by her and then if she's got up, I mean, it, it's not a convincing shot. And then for it to come back, pretty much bust the girl's nose and still find its way into the net. It's just typical Scotland fashion. Doesn't matter whether it's the men's teams, the women's teams, some of the youth sides, any level, we find us we find some way of putting us out. And that was one of the one of the most most odd I've ever seen. I think it was it's just I mean it's funny I suppose in a way, but it just was so so frustrating. It was a game where we maybe didn't do enough to win it. We didn't certainly didn't deserve to lose it, and to lose it that way in the ninety fifth minute was just. Aye, unreal excellently. There's there's not really any words to describe it. It was just typical Scotland luck, really. Typical Scotland luck is a phrase I am going to hate. Uh, and not just in women's football, but in football in general. And yes, the the circumstances of the goal are surreal. Even to it was the the the, the thing about it was that I thought Lee obviously you mentioned Lee Alexander slipped. And then she got up and I thought, oh, okay. And then she saved it. And I was like, oh, excellent. And then, as we say, it bursts at the Finnish striker's nose and then doesn't even have the decency to zoom in 
it just like trickles into the net. Uh, whistle goes a few moments later. Um, but yeah, that goal's gone in. But up until that point, we should have scored. Um, that, that's kind of one of the things that I, with a bit of distance from the game last night, is is come come into my head now, which is, yeah, that goal's rubbish. But we should have scored. We had the chances to do it, and we have had more than one opportunity up until now to make sure that we were in a position to qualify for the tournament. So. Yes, that'll be the essence of why we don't qualify that goal. But this run of form we've been on, Campbell, it's not been good enough. Nope. Um, the Albania game was one where we won, but we're never really convincing, I think. And then went to Finland and were the better team, but again, didn't really create enough. And then Finland came forward pretty much the first time in the game, scored the scrappy goal to take the lead against Portugal again. A lot of the ball, didn't really do anything with it. First real attack they've had to go and score. And then that one last night. So I mean, it's there's bad luck there, obviously, and that we've no, we've not um, given away like goals that have been great goals, sort of thing. But at the same time, you're then thinking, well, if we take our chances, we're out of sight. And for three games in the trot, well, we've not scored, we've lost by one goal, and the ball being games where we probably have had better chances than the opposition. So it's it is really frustrating, but it hasn't been good enough. Um, I mean, you look at Anna Signor last night, obviously, she came there with her Finnish side to good players, but are they a stronger squad in Scotland? Probably not. But that's twice now where she's known how to win a game against us. And a lot of folk maybe say it's her that set up this Scotland squad. Obviously, Shelley's been the manager for getting to the tournaments and things, but a lot of these players have came in under Anna and they are now the ones that are still there. You've seen yourself talking about sort of players who might have come through. But for the ones that are there, They've been used to, like they've come through from Anna, as I say, who now knows how to play against them, and it's worked for the two Finnish games. And at the end of the day, they're probably the main two that have killed us. So it's it is frustrating, but I think Scotland overall, the last four games really they haven't been to the standards we're expecting. And I think at the end of the day, it's, you can see why we're not qualifying, and that's probably the most irritating aspect because you know that they're a better team. The seedings help to show that as well. They're a better side than the teams we've been playing, but if you don't take your chances, you're not scoring goals, and you're obviously not winning games. And that's what's happened and three defeats in a row with no goals is, is definitely worrying from a Scottish point of view Yeah and I mean the Anna Signal points are a good one and I think the, um, the you had this kind of reason now she seemed a bit upset about for Scotland as well after the game last night because of obviously the relationship she's had in terms of the growth of women's football in the country and I, I don't think that can ever go that can ever go underestimated um, you made a point about kind of quality of player um, and I, I totally agree I don't think that the the next. I don't think we need a a squad overhaul, Campbell. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I think the players, the level of player we have, um, is good. It is more than good enough to mount a serious qualifying campaign for the twenty twenty three World Cup. Um, I have a couple of concerns. One is that for some of the squads, as the WSL is getting bigger, the competition for places is definitely getting tougher. I mean, I, I think our best players are still playing, which is I think is important bit, but. Jane Ross, who obviously came into the side, hasn't really been getting a look in the last few weeks for Manchester United after they bring in Tobin Heath and Tristan Press. And you go, well, it's Tobin Heath and Tristan Press, so kind of makes sense. Um, what's what's your thoughts on, on the squad? And then we'll maybe have a wee, a wee chat about the post-match uh, interviews as well. I mean, like we say, it's a strong squad. Obviously, a few of them are getting that bit older than the 2023 World Cup possibly be their last major tournament if Scotland can get to it but um, 
it's still a squad that should be beating the likes of Portugal and Finland and other sides that we're going to get maybe in future campaigns, potentially. Um, they just the heads are going to be down. Obviously, you can see that last night. You can see the tears and what it meant to them when they've come off the pitch with nothing. And I think it's maybe just a case of getting everyone together and sort of just a meeting or something to kind of boost that morale ahead of these other games to say, look, we still know we're good enough and we know that we can get to these tournaments. It's, it's a real kick in the teeth, especially, well, with the tournament being in England, as you said, where a lot of the players play, it's just across the border. If you then get fans back, you're expecting some uh, good Scottish numbers as well. So it's, it's all really, really disappointing. But I think with the squad you've got, they can certainly be, they don't have much to improve, sorry. And I think it's just a case of getting some confidence back and playing with that, playing with the confidence that you're playing with at club level. If you can play with that at national level, we've got the squad there to go and win these games and hopefully it's it's just a wee blip we've had recently and maybe not having Shelley there want to help with that but I think it's just hopefully nothing that's going to be sort of problematic long term. You um you mentioned the need for a bit of a regroup. Uh, we needed to do that after the World Cup. <laughs> oh geez, let's not talk about that in depth. But we, we both remember it. I mean you were in Paris for that one I'd, I'd gone home by that point. Um we had qualification from the group stage of the World Cup in our hands and, and we crumbled. That's what it was. Um, I, I'm concerned for some of the noises that I've seen in kind of some of the articles that I've read ever since that game, that that has not been put to bed like the way it's been said it's been put to bed, uh, both in terms of the impact of that game and also the events that followed it. You mentioned that we maybe need to have a regroup. My question for you, Campbell, is with that regroup, is Shelley the one that leads it? Um, <laughs> I mean, she gets a lot of plaudits, and rightly so, I think, from what we seem to have had, but you've then also had sort of rumours, particularly after that Argentina defeat last year, that perhaps sometimes the players maybe don't go on with Shelley. I, obviously, I don't know. I'm not, not in the camp. But from a tactical point of view, she seems to be the sort of manager you'd want for Scotland. She's done, she's taken us to these big tournaments and she's been there through it all. But are there better ops out there? Possibly. Do have any names? No, so don't ask me. But I think there could potentially be. And I think at the minute, Shelley's still set probably the play, person to stick with. And the players need, but you need the players to be with her and with each other as well. And if that isn't going to be the case, then perhaps a change is possible and needed. But if the players and Shelley still could have got each other's back, and then I wouldn't be making any any major changes just now off the back of what have been disappointing defeats, but hopefully just been, as I'm saying, hopefully just a spell where things haven't quite been going our way. So I wouldn't make any any rash decisions, but there certainly could be scope for change um, within the next year or so. I, I, you've done a very good job of being as diplomatic as possible. That's my job on this podcast, Campbell. So, uh, well played. But um, I, I, there's a couple of things that stood out with me after the game, and as I've been thinking about it over, as I've been working away today, and two things stood out for me. One was that the, with the post-match interviews, particularly Lisa Evans, hers is the one that's getting called out, but I think it's because she was the, she was the most frank. But I think Kim Little and Karen we are both both made points as well that suggested that they were they were not happy and know it should have been better for a while. Um, but there was a there's a question I asked by Heather during the radio to, to Lisa Evans about um Shelley not being there and I, I, I'm, I'm loath to misquote it, 
but it was dodged a little bit in terms of that. And um, I suppose if we need to regroup, are we going to are we going to re regroup again when we've tried the regrouping and it doesn't seem to have worked? Does does it need a new voice? Does it need a voice without the baggage that, as you quite rightly say, we don't know about? We know something happened. We know that it was resolved to what we've been told. Um, we can speculate about what has and hasn't been, but we're not going to do that because, well, <laughs> we're just two jobbers making a podcast. But um, I, um, I think for me the the question that really stands out is what what do we do with these two games in February? We're playing Cyprus and Cyprus and Portugal at home. They don't mean anything. They don't matter. If, if Shelley stays on, that, as you say, that would mean that everything is right in the camp and it has to be right in the camp. If it's not right, and I mean that holistically from the coaches to the players, to everybody surrounding it, then it needs a change. If they can get all on board, that's fine. But then what, what do we do with these two games? We've talked about the fact that the squad is good. It doesn't need root and branch change. Even the players that we could bring in, you wouldn't freshen up much. And I think that's another thing that's a, a slight concern is that we have this big gap between the, the up-and-coming players in the SWPL and then it's like this four or five-year bridge that they've got to try and cross. You can see it a little bit with Jamie Lee Napier just now. She was on the brink of the Scotland squad, went down to Chelsea, and also Chelsea's a massive club. She's had to go out and loan to Birmingham City and she's taken, it's taken a wee while to bed in. And it's almost like she's losing time because... There's a big jump to make. What what would you do with these two games that are coming up in terms of the qualifiers? That essentially, they're, they're now glorified friendlies. I mean, I think you still need to use the players you've got, like your strongest squad, to get them playing and try and get some confidence. But hopefully with two wins from two, end the campaign on a high and then sort of look ahead to the next one. But at the same time, the likes of Jamie Lee Napier, Amy Muir, that have come up from the 19s to then... You know, we've discussed before the fact there is no under-21s or whatever, and I think something like that would be really beneficial. But the fact that they come up, you're not likely to move for the 19 straight into the first team when you look at some of the players that are there. You mentioned, obviously, Jamie Lee down, uh, down in WSL with Birmingham now, and she's playing fairly regularly for them as well. So, I mean, you'd like to see players like her getting called up and give them game time in the sort of matches coming up, obviously. But then you look at the squad we've already got and there's still players in there that you're not seeing playing. So, I mean... I'd be playing a strong enough squad to try and get some confidence back, but at the same time, maybe bed in some players that haven't been playing or that kind of could potentially make that step up because players we've got, your Kim Littles, your Caroline Weirs, they're not going to be here forever. And you do need players kind of behind that. And do we have anyone is sort of the main worry for me. Um, yeah, as I say, I think we have a lot of talented players. Um, I, I just, that, that gap feels big at the moment and I think you can kind of see that a little bit um, in terms of bridging it I, I mean the, the tournament's over <laughs> the tournament's in England next summer I don't know about you Campbell but no not next summer now because of the weird weird world we now live in though it's getting better which is good not next summer about 2022 I don't know about you Campbell but I was quite excited about the prospect of having uh, a major tournament on a front door Scotland at it a Scotland team that we've both said already is good um, and following them about. And we don't have that now. And one of the things, another thing, it is that 
the men's team qualified for Euros. Fantastic. I was buzzing. You were buzzing. Loads of people were buzzing. But I mean, the, there's I can a, a warning light going off in my head, and it's going. If we if we think about how we feel about the level of coverage that the women's national team gets when it's successful, I I, I worry. I do worry that as the men's team competes at a major tournament, the women's team becomes an afterthought. And it's important we, we won't let that happen. Of course we won't. But it's, it's got wider implications, this Campbell, not getting to this tournament. It does. I mean, we've had all this time where I mean, the men's team went, what, 20-odd years without a tournament. And then women in that time got two recently. And obviously that got it did get a feel good factor. And hopefully now it's not going to be a case of the men Obviously, we'd want them doing well, but we don't want some of the women's team to then falter, like you say, just totally disappear. I think you'll still get coverage, but if you're not qualifying, let's say, a tournament down in England, you'd have got a fairly big media presence for Scotland as well, you'd imagine, given it literally is just across the border. But I don't think it'll disappear, but it definitely is frustrating that you're missing out on that chance. I mean, France wasn't too far away for for ourselves and for other media folk that went across you saw there was the Scotland team was well covered and it would have been again down in England so the fact that isn't it there is a real kick in the teeth and I can see your worries that hopefully things don't disappear but what we're wanting is for the men's team and the women's team both to be at the top of their game and at these major tournaments at the same time and I think missing out on that is disappointing and like you say there could be that worry but hopefully the women's team still gets mentioned as often as it deserves to be, because although we've missed out in the tournament here, it still is a really talented group of players, and they've shown that, obviously, in the last couple of tournaments. So there's still plenty to feel good about, but just need to be that wee bit wary that things don't sort of disappear off the face of the earth from that positive that sort of feel-good factor that we've had. No, absolutely. And um, let's, let's try, I'll, I'll try and bring myself back up a bit in the positivity stakes, because... Um, while I don't agree with the notion that because we're really good, it's okay to feel bad about it, it still sucks. This is rubbish. I hate it. Uh, I want Scotland teams to qualify everywhere, whether it's the men's team or the women's team. I felt as as a, as a, as low as I did when Serbia scored that late equaliser against the men's team as I did when Finland scored that goal. Probably lower because I knew that was it for the women's team. But We've got good players. We have the ability within our squad to do it. We've just got to make sure that this doesn't become anything more than a blip and what will be a bright, bright future for the national team, Campbell. Admire your positivity, Chris, for once. But um, aye, let's let's just hope we can keep up positive across the nation. We're used to being negative with everything, so let's try and change that. But it's it's not great, and it's still quite raw. I think. Having only just happened yesterday. Yeah, imagine we'd recorded this straight after the game. It just would have been, <laughs> it would have been nothing. So this is why we're doing it a day later as well. I th- there was a, a original plan to do it a day later, but um, I think if it gone well, I might have just said to what, just do it now. But um, yeah, twenty-four hours is a, is a good period of time. So let's move on from Scotland, and we had some SWP earlier. Oh, I got so excited there because we were moving on from that. <laughs> yeah, so let's move on from Scotland, and we had some SWPL two action at the weekend. Obviously, SWPL one side weren't playing with Scotland uh, in action, uh, but we did have some SWPL two. Uh, me and Campbell were both at a game apiece. 
we're not going to super dwell on this because we know that a lot of people have come to listen to the Scotland stuff. But it's important we highlight these games because, as we've just said, the future of Scottish football is really important and SWPL2 is a fantastic breeding ground for it. Um, I'm just going to pick these at random order, Campbell. I know we have talked about it, but I'm going to ask you, first of all, about your trip to Perth. Um, we day trip for Campbell up to see St. John's against Queen's Park. Um, I, I think we're expecting a... Well... <laughs> You can't expect anything in SWPL too. I think we both know that by now. I think we're expecting a close game, but it seems like it was pretty comfortable for St. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cold and it was foggy and it wasn't no the sort of weather it was standing watching football in, but St. Johnston played some some really good football and deserved their win in the end. I mean, first 15 minutes, Queen's Park started really well themselves. They had a couple of chances, but they just couldn't score and then St. Johnston kind of, they grew into the game. They weren't, Went great, but they had more of the play, and then I mean the three goals have scored literally at the perfect time, and it, it kind of killed the game off. Um, scored five minutes before half time, when it was a great flick from uh, Morgan Steedman. Uh, she was excellent Sunday on, probably best player for St Johnston. Was fantastic. Flicked around the defender, um, two shots saved, and then came back to Rebecca McGowan who scored um, to make it one 0 and then in stoppage time. They scored a second, and for Queens, you're just thinking, oh, that's that's a real kick in the teeth in a game where it had probably been second best, but 2 0 down, probably a bit harsh, but um, it's a mistake as well for the second goal. But when it came to early Kiwi, it's, it's a good lob. I mean, keeper at the time, I thought she was unlucky with it. Seeing it back, I think maybe she could have stopped that, but don't take away for Ellie. It was a fantastic lob for um, for 2 0. And then you're thinking, right, start the second half, Queens, let's get a goal and be right back in the game and instead win 39 seconds. They were 3-0 down. Again, poor defending, really. It was um, Hannah Clark's cross. They couldn't clear the ball and then it was knocked back across by Morgan Seaman again to Rebecca McGowan again to score and St Johnston were pretty comfortable, I think, really, to say for they're on, um, they're on out. Queen's hit the bar once, but that was pretty much about it. And St Johnston, when they got that ball down, they really did play some, uh, some exciting football. First time I've seen these two sides this season, so it was good to see two new t- uh, two new teams. I think for Queens, they've been better, but St Johnston, I, w- I was impressed with them, and it was a, a very comfortable three points really for them in the end. Yeah, um, it was a perfect example of the wonderful world of the Scottish Women's Premier League Division Two. Uh, but we we know that teams have to go up to St Johnston don't always get results and they've, they've done it again um, kind of pushing themselves away from the bottom end of the table uh, Queen's Park disappointing for them obviously they were they were within, the, within reach promotion races lose a little bit of ground but um, yeah I mean in terms of Queen's Park that was the first time we'd seen them Campbell um, obviously we try and get to see everybody as much as we can but kick off times and various other things make it difficult um, and obviously it wasn't their finest 90 minutes but what was your thoughts on Queen's Park? Um, well, let's say this kind of started really well. I think Mark Kirk himself said that first kind of 15 20 minutes they, they went on top, they were the better team. He had a couple of headers over the bar. Um, Sophie McGoldrick had a chance it was saved uh, by Molly Reeve and St Johnson goal as well. And then that, and then the chance off the bar in the second half, um, was pretty much it. I mean, St Johnston, as I say, the goals come at the perfect time to kill that game off. And when you're scoring, you're losing three goals. And, what's really a six-minute spell, it's not going to be great for their confidence and it certainly helps Saints. So, I mean, Queen's Park, they'll play better. We've seen them play better. You've seen them get some good results this season, obviously, especially at home. I think the, the trip made that a wee bit tough as well. It was before and beaten right enough to be fair to them before this game, but 
they will play better and I think they know that themselves if they can the way they played in the first 15 minutes let's say well, there's definitely positive signs to take from that but overall they simply really went at the races and St Johnston St Johnston win I was quite impressed with St Johnston and I said obviously that it started the season so well and then I've kind of fell away ever since then but it's back to winning ways and they look to build on that certainly because it was it was a lot of impressive football played obviously back in McDermott um, as well on Sunday yeah, uh, it's worth noting as well that there is highlights for every game in SWPL2 from the weekend. Um, we're up sort of recording on Wednesday. I think the last patch went maybe just before we started recording. Um, so yeah, you can go back and watch them. As always, with, uh, with the footage in SWPL2, it's about getting the best angle you can. Sometimes the facilities aren't quite there, but we're, we're getting better. I think it's the most important bit at the moment. Um, yeah, from Perth to Hamilton, uh, I went to go see Hamilton Academical against Stirling University. Um, I actually hadn't seen Ackes yet this season um, and obviously with Sterling at the moment uh, Tim Jones in interim charge I, I was curious to see kind of how they got on obviously especially on the back of getting a, their first point this season against Queen's Park uh, and Ackes have obviously had a, a bit of a stutter um, I thought the first half it seemed like the the things that we have talked about Campbell in terms of uh, Ackes were quite coming out they seemed still quite disjointed um, they did get two goals. Josephine Giard uh, made her debut and she went on to score a hat-trick. Um, and I think for this level, I, I seen them like uh, uh, Josie is a, is a really good one. Um, and I think you kind of could see that with the way she took her goals. Um, but it's, as the kind of first half kind of wore on, Sterling University actually started very quickly. Uh, more, more than in at half-time. They had a little spell just after the break, but then Aki's kind of pulled away. And to be honest with you, they... It finished 8 0, but it could have been a lot more. Um, Jade Fontana, who's making her debut for Sterling Uni, made a, a number of really good saves, along with the fact that Aki's maybe could have been a bit more clinical in front of the goal. Um, but it's an important win for Aki's. Obviously, it now puts them back within three points of promotion places, keeps them in, in touch in that respect. Um, convincing win. Uh, and I suppose it's, it's a case of job done for Aki's in this one, Campbell. Yeah, it was. We expected a home win there, obviously, and it's more like the, the Hamilton we've been used to seeing. They haven't been at the races at all this season themselves, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you that. But uh, it was a very convincing one, obviously, the biggest win anywhere this season. Sterling, we know, have, have lost most of their games, but there's been signs in previous weeks where the, the led Patrick Bissell, obviously, it took a wonder goal to kind of turn that game on its head, and then they got the first point last week. So nobody able to build from that will disappoint them, but. Um, like you say, Josie's year for this level was fantastic. It was, it was a good player at Celtic, so to see her drop down a level, perhaps surprising, but Aki's obviously with ambitions to get back into the top flight themselves. We'll know she's the sort of player that'll help out with that. And then you've got Amy Anderson as well with 100 appearances, so there's, they've got that experience and then they hope to use this sort of as a springboard to, for better things for the rest of the season. They've obviously got still quite a bit to catch up on on Aberdeen and then obviously Patrick Bissell and United above them as well, but it's, it's better for Hamilton and potentially what you'd be more likely to see in the next few weeks. I mean, you look at you see yourself, it wasn't perhaps vintage. It's about four goals in the last quarter an hour as well. Kind of makes the score look a lot worse than it was. But at the same time, from the highlights that I've seen again, Jade Fontana had a great game. For Sterling you need, which you don't often see a bit of keeper when you lose eight. But for Sterling, will be disappointed, obviously, losing so heavily. But for Hamilton, it's, it's better from them. And we'll see if they can kind of build on that and continue that over the next few weeks 
Yeah, uh, and I said, moves in three points of promotion places, um, so keeps him in touch with Partick Thistle. Who, we'll go into now. I was going to go into Aberdeen, but since I've said Partick Thistle, let's say Partick Thistle, who completed a 1-0 victory over Glasgow Women. I, I think it would have been a game, if I hadn't seen uh, Thistle the week prior, I probably would have gone down to this one. Uh, but given the fact I've seen Thistle and I hadn't see, seen Aki, that's, that's kind of how I got my, my choice made. Um, 1-0 win for Thistle. Uh, Cheryl Rickon, fifth goal of the season. Um, I think she's uh, kind of low-key, uh, is playing very well for Thistle in terms of uh, the way the conscious of the league. But it's another win for Thistle and they are now clear in second and the good run continues, Campbell. Yeah, it was scrappy. I think it was probably how Thistle described it as well, speaking of listening to Ross Dockery and from what we've seen ourselves, especially given the five-star performance last week. But it's four wins in a row and they are looking stronger. We discussed them obviously a few weeks back where it was a case of what are they lacking? What's been going wrong? So they've, they've certainly changed that. And four wins in the trot is fantastic for them. And they've moved up to second. Obviously themselves and United are teams we expected to be in that sort of area. And both have now moved up to there with some good form that they've put together. So it's it's positive, certainly for this one. There's, there's definitely a signs there that they're getting more to where they should be. And you look at some of the signings, obviously, we've mentioned previously that have come in. Amy Brewer, Cara McBrady, Stegan McCann and Shannon Todd as well. They've got players there. They've got a real strong squad. Some of them not even making the starting team. Likes of Emma Craig as well sometimes dropping out. So there's Thistle are there's certainly things are looking up and it'll be interesting to see if they can keep this up. There's maybe a team that's not got as much pressure on them as some others in the league do. So they'll hope they can continue this form on for even longer and see how far they can actually go this season, especially with um, the two automatic promotion spots. Yeah, um, I think you're right to mention kind of the pressure aspect of it because I think well, we I think we both quite fancied like Thistle to definitely be in the promotion mix, but I I thought especially after that Dundee United game where they drew one each, I thought and both sides actually well, we're coming to United in a wee second, but I thought both sides at that time looked not quite there, but both since then seemed to have really picked it up, and I think maybe what that that was was a consequence of two sides who are going to be near each other getting a good look at the level they're going to be at this season. And that I think that's going to help shape their, their play going forward. But yeah, um, good result for Thistle. Keeps a run going. Uh, keeps them within kind of five of Aberdeen um, and in second place at the moment. Uh, for, for Glasgow women, I think I think the, what we suspect at the start of the season where they could certainly cause teams problems and, and get a result, but they also may have their off weeks. It feels like this week was maybe just one of those weeks where it might have gone their way if things had Dropped differently, but it just wasn't to be. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're only losing out by one, maybe two goals. It's not that they're going anywhere and getting hammered. And we know they've got a side there of good players. And we know that obviously they will cause team problems. We've seen that they have caused teams problems, but they just seem to lack that nasty streak for me, that sort of winning mentality, perhaps, that you've got at the likes of Thistle and even Dundee United in recent weeks. So for, for if Glasgow can sort of pick that up, then they will go and take points off these sides rather than just losing out. So it's it's one where they maybe went at it, but there's obviously still positives they can take. And there's a side that I wouldn't have too many worries about if they'd been down the bottom end of the table. I think they'll be sort of safe in the middle somewhere there. But even the bank against them, taking points off anyone else in this league, as they've shown in previous weeks as well. So there's a point result, but I don't think they'll be too worried about Sunday. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, let's move on to Dundee United since we just spoke about them. Uh, moving up to third place, 4-1 win against Burnham Thistle. 
Eggles and Megan Burns, uh, Robin Smith, who has had a, a right rich floor, um, right rich seam of goals. There we go, that's a nice way of putting it. Uh, over the past few weeks, uh, and they're up to second top goal scorer six for the season. Uh, Brogan Anderson getting a go back for Thist- uh, Thistle, and then Jade McLaren and Holly Napier kind of rounding out a win. But we were speaking to a couple of people about this game, and the the four one scoreline sounds like it might be a little bit harsh. Yep, I think like Thistle United hitting some form, but went great on Sunday by all accounts. But to us from the outside looking in, it's a convincing win on the scoreline, and some good goals scored for United. Actually, the the um, Megan Burns goal obviously nominated then for goal of the month later on after that match the, the final two as well for James McLaren and Holly Napier also really well taking goals and there's definitely these signs again that United are getting more to where they want to be obviously they've been without Danny McGinley for a good few weeks now and started the season kind of a wee bit under par like this but again both are hitting that form and a few games unbeaten and they're slowly obviously climbing that table up there and Last time I saw United was that Thistle game, and I'm interested to see them on Sunday. We're doing watch them wait to Echo Marnock at Albion Patton. It'll be interesting to see just how they have improved from that game. Also, they've made a few changes with sort of personnel in terms of formation and things, and who's playing where, and it's, it seems to be working for them. So, if they can keep this up, then United, as you're saying, they're another team that you will fancy up that top end of the table, especially with some other sides around them faltering. There's plenty of positive signs for them that even if they're not playing well, as they're telling as they weren't. To go and win 4-1, you, you can't really complain too much with that, I don't think. No, I don't think so at all. And I think what has been key for them is obviously Danny McGinley. I think we've both tipped to score a lot of goals this season, um, not being in the side and the fact that it maybe took them a wee while to kind of figure out the puzzle in terms of how they, they kind of get those goals in the side, but it certainly seems to happen. Um, I'm only disappointed that it wasn't the same as the 8-4 game in the season that never was right at the start of the year. Because <laughs> obviously that... I mean, that was some result to see coming in your phone as you were at other games, I tell you. But um, yeah, great result for Dundee United. Moves them up to third uh, on 14 points, which leaves us finally with the league leaders who are playing Kilmarnock up at Cormac Park. Um, 3-0 win for Aberdeen. Uh, goals and highlights from Vipper Shorts, uh, as always, from when Kelly play. It's great that they can travel up and down and, and kind of get those highlights out for the teams. Um, go, come to win, Bailey Hutchinson gets a 10th goal of the season, a goal from Eva Thompson, but... I, I don't understand the the third goal, Campbell. Can you can you give me a bit of a your thoughts on on the goal? I can't still figure out how it went in. If it went in, what happened? So you just pass it on to me instead. Um, <laughs> I think really, I mean from what I've heard of it, name what I've seen it myself. It just seems to be. I think Morgan Hunter just seems to totally misread where the ball's going. Maybe it's just thought right that's hitting inside netting, got her angles wrong, and then some of the balls come off her into the net. I don't really think Aberdeen themselves knew it was a goal looking at the sort of subdued celebrations and I mean it's it makes the scoreline look really comfortable and then when I mean Ben McDonough was obviously covering that game for SWF as well and he was saying it probably was a bit tighter than the scoreline suggests on the highlights obviously you think football shots maybe slightly killy biased but from them as well it seemed to be loads of Aberdeen chances but Barnick are always a strong side at the back so again you look at it think it's a, a hammer really but goals in 86 and 90 plus about half an hour because the referee can't count apparently um, kind of makes it look a bit more comfortable for Aberdeen they'll just be glad to get back to winning ways but I think there's scrolling perhaps doesn't tell the full story from Connick Park um, how, how yeah I mean I, I know I passed it on to you and it's only because I didn't know what else to say other than it was a really weird goal to watch um, because obviously of where, where was the game was getting filmed from and then 
how the, the where the ball went and then the goal it was just all a bit strange ah, I couldn't I can't figure out how else to say it but um, in terms of Aberdeen Campbell and um, obviously that 5-1 defeat against Thistle last week that's a that's a really important win for them it was a I got checked for what is still a and there's a couple of teams like this and obviously an SWPL too but for what is a, a very young team a, a team that not a lot of people have seen so far this season well obviously we're now getting into the next run of fixtures for SWPL too but a team that um could have could have taken that result badly, but um, a good win for them. Yeah, I mean, when you're you've been on beating, you're riding that sort of crest of a wave, and then you come, I mean, really crashing back to earth. Like it was a hammering away to Thistle last week, so to come back with that three goals, three points, and a clean sheet, they're obviously going to be delighted with it, and they've still got that gap at the top. And I mean, they've got a young squad, but they've still got the experience there, the likes of Lauren Campbell, Kelly Forrest as well. They've got a squad that you would think it seems to be really together and we'll know how to come back for these and to come back with 3-0 win, like I say. It's perfect for them. And for Aberdeen, again, they're a team that came up where they were kind of unknown, ent- unknown entity maybe coming up from them, um, whatever the hell the league was called last year, to then coming up in the SWPL2 where, again, they're a side that isn't really playing with any pressure on them. I think a lot of the pressure comes on the teams that have been there last season, that have been up that end. And for Aberdeen, they've come out and can play that football and play it the way they want to with freedom. Like we see, we've seen them do that this season. It's another win, and that's all they're really be looking for. Even though even the games have not played so well, maybe away to Glasgow, eh, Glasgow women in Hamilton again they've come out on top, winning that game. And the fact they can win games comfortably but also grind them out does show some real good togetherness there in that squad. And the team I'm still yet to see in the flesh, and hope they'll get to soon enough. But I think overall there's plenty of positive signs obviously as well for Aberdeen. And it's a win that they'll be they'll be really glad to get. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Kelly announced a, a few signings as well um, during the week. Um, the aforementioned Morgan Hunter, uh, Kirsten Rolf, and oh, Campbell. It's been a long day. The third one has now escaped me. That's not going to go down well. Warren Reside. Thank you very much. Oh, that was the one that was the most chatted about as well. Oh, nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, three signings also boost the squad. And we've talked, uh, you've talked about it in the past as well that they've they've had some injuries to deal with. But yeah, um, good result for Aberdeen. Um, you've mentioned being at games, you've already said you're going to head to Rugby Park for Kelly against Sunday United uh, this week, coming weekend. And SWPL2, you've also got Burnham Your Thistle against Partick, uh, Battle of the Thistles, uh, Glasgow Women hosting St Johnson, um, Sterling United against Aberdeen, and Queen's Park against Hamilton Ackies at Building Site, Lesser Hamden. And in SWPL1, we've got uh, Celtic against Forfa Farmington, which is the BBC game, um, Rangers against Motherwell, uh, Hearts Hibs in an Edinburgh Derby. That will probably be quite one-sided. And Sparks against Sparks, Spartans against Glasgow City. Um, congratulations to Lord Montgomery, uh, chief exec, new chief executive of Glasgow City. Uh, going full time in women's football is stuff that you, you'll have to see. Obviously, we are here to grow the game and do, and being able to offer people those kind of roles is fantastic. But lots of good games. I haven't decided as always when we record this. I have no idea where I'm going yet. I, I'll make a decision once the bulk of my working weeks out the way. Um, but uh, Campbell. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on, buddy. We had to start start with the, the bad news, and then we got to talk about some fun stuff, which is the SWPL. Aye, when the bears too, but being negative for a change with it, so I well, <laughs> we got through it. I, I, I'm I'm pretty positive. I think I feel like that's my shtick. Like, um, but uh, yeah, tough, tough, tough couple of days to be a, a Scotland fan. But um, hopefully, brighter times are ahead. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Um, stay safe. And uh, we'll speak again soon.